How does a shy child from Long Beach end up fighting on Asia's biggest MMA stage? After high school, Savonnery M began training in boxing and martial arts. Initially focused on fun and fitness, she quickly caught the eye of professional promoters. After winning her first few pro fights in dramatic fashion, Suvanari boarded a plane for Malaysia and entered the cage as a one championship athlete. Suvanari is currently taking a break from her MMA career, but hopes to one day represent her Khmer heritage on the international stage as a member of Team Cambodia. Hey, what's up, guys? Coach Andeki here with another episode of C4 Podcast, Southeast Asian Athlete Achievement Through Adversity. I'm here with my co-host, John Messina. We have an amazing guest uh, on tonight, a, a female MMA fighter pro. So uh, something you don't hear too much about, you know, especially in our Asian culture, you don't hear too much about women like fighting or anything like that, right? So it, it's quite unique. Um, if you guys haven't already, please, uh, like, and share our page, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. And if you guys have any suggestions on, on someone else that you would think would love to share their story, please, please, uh, message us. Right. Without further ado, here is my co-host, John. So we are very excited about today's guest because she came out of a suggestion from a listener. We thank you for that. We got, we've actually gotten a couple requests to interview somebody who's fought in one championship. Because for those of you who don't know who one championship is, it's basically the, I call the Asian equivalent of the UFC. It's headquartered out of Singapore. It's a very big up and coming promotion. I personally think it could surpass the UFC um, at some point because they, they just have some incredible athletes that they pulled together. Um, the way they 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 put on their shows and stuff it's it's honestly more entertaining i think in some cases um but anyway it is it is right up there with the ufc as far as promotions go as far as i'm concerned if you listen to our episode with andre sukumtat who fought in the ufc he actually said one of his bucket list things was to be in one championship perhaps because it's it's that big um especially you know in the the, the asian asian area eastern world there um but before we jump into the interview with Suvanari M, a um, couple of announcements here. One, first of all, our hearts go out to everybody who was impacted by the devastating Maui fires. Um, our own Nara Sihavong, you may remember him from episode 18, and you probably saw him as part of our athlete contingent going to the SEA Games in Cambodia this last year. He was a wrestling coach, and his own son, Dawson, Stanford wrestler, was there, brought home both bronze and silver medals in two different classes of wrestling. Nara's on the ground in Hawaii right now. He's volunteering with the Red Cross. He's pulling the community together. He's actually getting ready to host between 35 and 50 families on his land, potentially. Um, he's made it available to the Red Cross should they need it. Um, he's also working with a group called High Sessions, a musician group in, in Hawaii that's been doing fundraisers. So if you want to help we, we posted on our the Lao American Sports Facebook page. There's three charities that um, NARA and that team have, have partnered with. One is, of course, the Red Cross of Hawaii, the Maui Food Bank, and the Hawaii Community Foundation has set up a Maui Strong Fund. So these are all charities that they vetted and feel confident in putting their names behind. So check out the Facebook post we did on that. Um, and, and if you so want to help, uh, please help that team out. They're doing a lot of work. NARA's been working around the clock for the disaster relief. So 
with that, we're going to jump into the interview here with Suvana Ree. She comes to us out of Southern California, grew up primarily in Long Beach, Kamai, American MMA fighter, as Co said. So, Suvana Ree, welcome to the show. We're going to start off, if you could just tell us a little bit about your family's background from Cambodia and them, you know, how they came to the U.S. and so forth. Sure. Um, so, I don't know much about my father's side, but um, my mom... Um, she was born in 72, and uh, of course, she was forced out of her home. Her whole family was forced out of her home in 76 because of the whole thing with the Khmer Rouge. And um, yeah, she's had some wild stories during that period. Um, just insane experiences. That, um, it's just so funny when I ask her about her stories, her, her you know, escaping that period. Um, just the violence that she um, witnessed at such a young age that I'm able to talk to her and she's such a sweet woman. Um, and she seems like really, like, you know, she she just seems so normal and, and so sweet, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, it wasn't until 84 when she was about 11 years old that she made it to the States with her family. Um, so um, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much, uh, yeah, so she was a kid during that period, and then 11 when she made it to the States, and then, um, you know, lots of adjusting, um, you know, she she didn't know the language, your typical stuff, just getting uh, accustomed to a new culture, a new country, um, it was, um, yeah, it was interesting for her and her sisters, um, uh, I mean, so many things I can, I can, so many things I can get into. Um, but uh, yeah, and then around uh, 19, she had me. And by the age of 21, she was uh, raising two kids on her own. So that's yeah. her. <laughs> so folks, um, we interviewed several people that, you know, Kenya Proch, um, you know, the, the Bocator and Kun Kamai um, master, as well as Leth Own, the Secret Service agent. Both Leth and, Leth and Kenya have books. Kenya's is Blackstone Hands. Leth is this one right here, Refugees, American Dream. They go, I'm for, they were older than Suvonnery's mom, so they have vivid memories of the situation. Um, if you're interested in hearing more, please grab one of their books. They talk about basically a similar story to your mom. So folks, grab one of those books if you want to dig into that in more detail. Did your mom grow up in Long Beach or where did she grow up in the U.S.? So initially they were uh, sponsored by family. So when they, they left uh, Cambodia, they ended up in Idaho. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, then eventually, like many um, Cambodian families, they heard that there was a large population of Cambodians in, in Long Beach, California. So they eventually made their way to, to Long Beach. Okay. So she would have went through, there was a bit of a turbulent time there in the early 90s. She's about that age that she would have been probably right in the middle of that. Um, just based on her age, folks with uh, some gangs and, and things, it's completely changed and died down there. It's now, but at that time there was a, I don't know, maybe five or 10 years that it was a little rough. Um, we've had other guests on who've talked about that as well, but so getting to you, Savannah, um, thanks for that backstory. Um, so tell us about your childhood, where you grew up and what it was like. Uh, um, so I was born in Long Beach and, uh, like I said, so my my mom and my father separated when I was very young, maybe two, three, four years old. And um, so my mom was a working uh, single mother. So 
you mean for for us as kids it was totally fun because she would just take us to um, our grandparents house and we'd be taken care of by grandma grandpa our uncles and aunties and uh totally fine but talking to her now it was a struggle for her to always have to find someone to take care of her babies so it's just interesting to get that perspective as an adult um but um yeah because again because she was a single mother um uh you know there would be long periods where mom would be away and we'd have no idea where she is when she's gonna be back um and then uh you know it was interesting because eventually she ended up with a, a long-term partner and then we would have uh um i would have two more siblings from 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 uh that partner um so uh he would be taking the primary caretaker of us while my mom was away for like you know weeks at a time um and during this period my mom was making pretty good money so we we had a pretty like lavish lifestyle for a period and then um there would be periods where we were just like she was struggling to like buy an apple to feed us <laughs> so like lots of highs and lows uh which again I didn't know about this until I was an adult like she did a pretty good job of keeping that from us like we didn't feel hungry at all so um um but um yeah I mean again as a child I felt like my child was perfectly perfectly fine I was happy um but then talking to my little brother um I'm the oldest of the four of us uh and and then also looking back um just at how at at his behaviors and stuff, some some things like that, it was really rough because we really we were moved around quite a bit, um, and there was a lot. There was a long period where we we left California, where the majority of our family is like my grandma, grandpa, um, uh, everything. Like all my whole my family side was in California, and uh, but we had to kind of like eventually my mom relied on her partner for our financial situation, so we had to follow wherever he could find work, which um, led us to being in the, like in Wyoming and Idaho for periods of time. So big, big change, big, um, a big, uh, hard to adapt um, for some kids, uh, particularly my brother. He had a really rough time because he felt very uh, close with my family, whereas I did too, but I think, uh, and I think it still carries into my personality personality now that was just always kind of like go with the flow but um but like any other normal kid it was a it was a rough transition constantly moving schools and being that far away from home um so yeah uh eventually uh during high school age uh I ended up back in Long Beach with my mom and brother and um, it was good. Uh, got to give back to, to family, um, eating grandma's cooking, and <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, let's see. And then um, I'm not sure where I want to go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of like, that's pretty much our childhood. Um, lots of moving around, lots of highs and lows. But like I said, I didn't really feel it that much. I feel like I was a pretty happy kid. So tell us how that, how you, that led you into martial arts or how you ended up getting into martial arts. So my brother and I, our whole family actually was always into, um, 
just always fascinated by it. Uh, we would watch like Jackie Chan and Jet Li, Bruce Lee films and play video games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. And we were always imitating our favorite fighters and we would play fight. And that's kind of like how we would play. Um, unfortunately, many of those play play sessions would turn into real sessions because mm. someone would <laughs> get it a make it a little too rough. But, um, but yeah, always into martial arts. And then my, my mother's partner, the father of my um, half siblings, was very much into UFC and pride at the time. So we were very much exposed to uh, mixed martial arts at a young age. Um, um, as much as we were into it, though, we were uh, like we didn't really have the means to uh, be put into any official training. So we were just mess around at home and do whatever we could. It wasn't until I was um, 19, 20 years old that I first stepped into a boxing gym. And that, that was my intro introduction to uh, any formal training. Um, so that's how I got into like actual training. So I start, I have a Western boxing background initially. And then after a couple of years of just doing that, initially just for fun, just for fitness, I started adding jujitsu to my background. Um, and it was around this period that uh, Ronda Rousey was making a big name in uh, UFC. Um, Liz Carmouche, uh, like women's MMA was becoming much more prominent. And um, since I was doing so well in like uh, local jujitsu tournaments and, um, and uh, you know, boxing smokers, I figured, you know, I figured, uh, this could be a, a path for me. Maybe it's something that I can be good at. So that's uh that's how we got it going. Oh, exciting. So tell us about your early MMA career. Cause one thing to go to the gym and train, how did you start getting into competition? And then what was like the path to become a, a one championship athlete? So I think my path was a little bit, um, not to, not to very, uh, typical, I guess. Because uh, I, I didn't start with a, an amateur career. I went right into building my professional record. Um, and it's just, you know, I I was able to meet different people because um, I was always trying to find a gym and a coach that would fit me. And uh, I was fortunate to, to meet my first coach, uh, Sean Lochner, Sean Lochler. And um, he he was in contact with some like lower level promotions. And that's how I got my two first pro fights um, in the organization called Gladiator Challenge. So I got my two first fights there and I won them, uh, I guess in dramatic fashion. So <laughs> um, like knockouts and early rounds and then- What, what year are we here? What, what year is this now? Uh, it was 2016 that I started- um, Gotcha, gotcha competing in MMA. Yeah. So it was uh, about four years into my martial arts training, I guess. So very new. <laughs> I knew very little at that period. Um, so yeah, uh, after having two, two fights in Gladiator Challenge, eventually uh, I was able to, you know, I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go with it. I, I tried out for the ultimate uh, yeah, tough, the ultimate fighter, um, you know, the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I got to meet up, meet, I got to go to Vegas and meet many other professional, um, female athletes that I would potentially be fighting. So that was a really cool experience. 
kind of kind of see where I'm at um, with my skills compared to theirs. Um, and also at this time, we're you know one championship was becoming more of a well-known thing, and I was like trying to figure out what route I wanted to go. And I figured, well, if I want to be fighting, it would be pretty cool if I can uh, kind of make a name for myself in Southeast Asia, and that's where one championship is big. And I also liked their values and um, just their the way they put on the show, everything about one. So that became more appealing to me. And um, yeah, fortunately, again, um, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a, my manager at the, at the time was able to put me in touch with one. And that's how I was able to, to make my way. Wow. So tell us about stepping into the ring for the first time in a one championship bout. How did you feel? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the emotional side of it, and then tell us about the fight and how it went. Yeah, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go because, one, I'd never traveled um, to Asia before. So you're dealing with a, uh, like, 20-hour-plus flight um, across the world to a country. My first fight wasn't – my first fight for one was in Malaysia. So, you know, I'm not sure what, what the language barrier situation is going to be. Um, lots of unknowns, but again, just, I think it's just my tendency to kind of like be excited by these types of things. So it was just, it was more exciting than anything. And also we have, we have, so we arrive and we have one week of fight week where we just kind of like stay there and, um, work off the rest of our weight We're um, we're doing like, uh, like press stuff or whatever. And um, every now and then my coach and I would get to go and like explore the country a little bit. So it was really cool. Um, um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, but yeah, big learning curve. Like we had to, I don't know if you guys know the, like one has a big uh, no cutting water um, rule. So that was something that we had to kind of like figure out. Um, which it was a little hard at first, but you know, we managed my, my coach is a pro. He's, he's really cool. He's really good at this. Very, very mellow. And um, yeah, everything always works out, but I realized very quickly, I can't be walking around uh, like the street, the food street vendors. <laughs> like okay. it's gonna, it's way too distracting. Um, I actually had a fight uh, during the pandemic and that was like the best situation because we had to stay in our hotel room and I, the weight cut was like so easy and obviously because I wasn't fooling around. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, first time stepping in again, I was just very excited. Um, which is funny because like I'm I'm a very kind of quiet, shy um, introvert, and I don't really um, like feel the need for like a lot of attention on me. But um, but when I was in it, it was very um very exciting uh to to be on that big stage and and also uh it was very cool because i was on the cart uh, uh there was another kamai fighter on the same cart as me john ratana so i met him and his team which was amazing and uh through that through this whole thing um through being part of one championship and meeting um these other kamai fighters i had a now i have like a connection to people in cambodia that i would have never ever had before um, this opportunity. So I, I'm still friends with like, um, I don't speak with Chan as much because of uh, the language barrier. My Khmer isn't 
good enough. Um, but certainly like parts of his team, like, um, and I met my, uh, my language teacher through, through their, through, you know, um, one of his coaches. So many, many, uh, amazing things came out of that experience. Um, but, uh, stepping into the cage, like he, like <laughs> I keep getting off track, but, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Like you, one of the pictures of me walking out for the first time, like there's a huge smile on my face. It's just like, um, it's just like an, a buzz. Um, and everyone's just so receptive there. So, so supportive and, um, yeah, just felt really good. Um, um, I won that fight by TKO. So it all went well. <laughs> yeah. What, what was your record when you were competing in one? And did you fight for any championships, any titles? No, I, I didn't get many fights. Um, I'm kind of taking a kind of a break from competing at the moment, but I had a total of, uh, I always forget this number, five, I'm five and one. Wow. Uh, no, awesome. four, four and one. Yeah, four and Somewhere one. around there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, won two fights in one championship and lost one. Okay. Yeah, very... And all the fights, because of one, all the fights were in Southeast Asia. Like, you, there weren't any where you were stateside, meaning you living in the States always had to travel to these fights. Right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, that, that, that'd be hard. And that, that takes, you know, you know, just the travel in itself, you know, and, you know, getting familiar with the area and the food and all that stuff. That's a challenge. Um, already you know so yeah hoping yeah, not to get yeah. sick and things we dealt with it at the sea games you know all the athletes that came with mm. us to go to the sea games in cambodia you know it was a challenge i will say though the plane was full of athletes coming to represent pretty much every country <laughs> so we weren't oh, okay. the only ones with that challenge there were athletes from the philippines malaysia singapore uh, cambodia laos okay. everybody on that plane going over but uh, it was certainly a concern and a challenge adapting time zone, yeah. jet lag, um, yeah. worried yeah. about getting sick, mm -hmm. all, of, all of that kind of stuff. And then you have to try to compete at your best. It's, it's really not easy. Oh yeah. At all. Yeah. yeah. The, the jet lag um, that we arrive and we pretty much relax, but by the next day, even though I want to sleep, cause it's like, like 2am my time, <laughs> Um, my coach is like, all right, we got to go train. So yeah, like jumping right into it. Cause we got to be ready. Um, we got to be adjusted by the time fight night comes. Yeah. So, so tell us about your style. Cause MMA is unique. Some people lean on different martial arts more than others. Mm -hmm. you, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu seems to be the thing that like is sort of leading now. I, I'm not a huge, you know, person who watches it, but from what I see, but what's your kind of mix? Hmm. So initially, again, because I have a Western boxing background and like Mike Tyson was a huge influence for yeah. me. Um, initially, it was just like the stand up, the striking. I want to be able to stay on the feet and um, have just enough wrestling to just keep it on the feet. But um, eventually that had to change because my my wrestling was minimal. And if people were having trouble with me on the feet they could just take it to the ground in an instant so yeah um eventually um i was training more wrestling becoming more jiu-jitsu based and um so still able to keep my striking background but creating situations where i can 
do it more effectively by uh, wrestling to take it down, take the, my opponent to the ground and strike him from there. So that's why my previous fights the, that I've won ha would end by TKO, but it would be from a pinned position. Like I would have my opponent in a pin and, and landing strikes from there. Okay. And then tell us a little bit about like your training and especially when you go into camp, sort of your regiment, maybe. Uh, so that's kind of a big reason why I've had to take a step back is because I've moved even further away from my main training, um, gyms, I guess when I, where I was living before, when I was in LA, it was hard then because I was still, I had to drive to San Diego often in order to get, um, uh, good sparring rounds basically. Cause that's where many other women professional women athletes my size um were that's where they were training and i come from a you know my coach i'm pretty much his only athlete so we had to travel to other gyms to get sparring in so uh pretty pretty solid regiment um between getting my skills training in with my coach and then driving down and staying a few days at a time or so to south san diego to get my training with the women there um, but now that I've moved further away, um, there was a period where I was still trying that and, um, it was working out for a while, but man, the hours on the road is, uh, man, it's no joke. No, it's <laughs> um, California traffic. It, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's rough. So, um, uh, so yeah, if, when I, whenever I do decide to get back into competing, I'd have to figure out that situation where I'm just local, um, or figure out training here. Um, but yeah, um, lots of traveling because, you know, um, women athletes is not very common in uh, at least where I'm at. So I can get some training, some sparring with men, um, but it's, my, you know, my coach thought it was best that I, of course, that I go um, spar with other professional women. Yeah, that's a great point. You need to find women that are at your level, at your size, right? Yeah. You know, and that's not that's not going to always be easy, especially if you're like in a way outlying suburb of L.A. or whatever. Yeah. Um, trying to trying to, to find them. Um, yeah. But so so what does it mean to kind of represent your Kamai heritage in the cage um, when you fight? Being a second um, generation, you know, being really grown yeah. up in the U.S., but having the connection. Uh, like I said, like, yeah, um, because I'm Kamai American. um when as a kid growing up, I was very much um, surrounded by my culture, the language, just by being around my family all the time. Um, but as we started moving further and further away, um, like literally moving further away. Yeah, yeah Wyoming is not exactly a, the hotbed of my culture. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, after Wyoming, living in Wyoming for a few years, I came back to Long Beach and, you know, having Khmer food, my grandma's Khmer food after not having had it for years, I put on a good chunk of weight after that. So, um, uh, but yeah, um, being Khmer American and, uh, yeah. And like, there was a long period where I just kind of like accidentally just like separated myself from my culture and just, you know, lived your typical American lifestyle. Um, I, I spoke the language when I was very little, but then lost it as I, uh, grew older um so yeah um it wasn't until I became an adult around you know during the period where I was training uh um my partner's Italian so I became very 
embedded in like yeah you know, I, I we we would go down, back to his country to meet his family and stuff and I learned a lot about like Italian culture and it was really fascinating and I saw some um, parallels with like my culture which I hadn't even thought about in years for whatever reason and so um, I finally got like this newfound curiosity and um, fascination for for getting back into my own culture and language and uh so um yeah and then fighting for one championship it really provided me the opportunity to like I said like connect with people in Cambodia which is like amazing so um yeah it, it that's been like one of the most rewarding things um being able to compete for one championship yeah well I can speak to that because I'm Italian and my wife's Lao so like oh. our wedding, you would have never seen, you would have thought the families would be like oil and water, but our <laughs> wedding was just like everybody together, loving it. The culture's oh. meshed really well, maybe too much around the drinking side, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you're saying there with the Southeast yeah. Asian and the Italian culture, how, how, mm -hmm. how there's a good synergy there because yep. live, I live it every day as well. That's um, beautiful. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, well, hey, I know you're a fighter and everybody loves to hear about that. But from what I saw, you're also a pretty cool artist. So there's like this other and these things don't usually go together. It's like you don't think mm -hmm. of somebody who's in a cage beating somebody up like being this artist. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that side of you as well. Sure. So I think when people meet me and people know me, it's like, you know, they they hear that I'm an artist. There's like, oh, yeah, obviously it's when they when I tell them that I'm a fighter, they're like, what? <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, I've always been uh, very artistic ever since I was little. That's just always how I would spend my time just by myself with my markers and pencils. And, um, it's just how I like to relax. It's how I have fun. Um, it, I got into, I actually got into fighting just to kind of like compliment my, uh, more kind of like hermit, <laughs> uh, mm. uh, side, like just, I'm just very shy again, like um so yeah that's uh yeah my rc side is kind of comes more natural to me it's the um, it's the fighting and dealing with like conflict um those things are harder uh i think that's why it kind of it affects my uh fight career a little bit because mm. uh um i just I'm not competitive enough. I feel too bad for my partners. I feel bad for my opponents. It's just hard, not just physically, but emotionally, because it's yeah. just very against my nature. So you can see in like my very first fight, after I get the knockout, I I drop my my opponent and I'm like walking up to her to check on her and the ref is pulling me away. Like, get back, you psycho. Yeah. But I thought you were going to to, to end it or something it oh my god yeah <laughs> but, uh, but like i'll watch old like footage of my previous fights and i'm just like oh my gosh um yeah. so yeah um yeah my art side is just like it's always been me it's so, the fight side that i'm kind of like trying to draw forth and just um just kind of like trying to round out my character uh, myself as a yeah, human being I M MMA is a tough sport. I mean, you see some of these fights with like fighters like Stamp Fairtex and and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, they 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 can get brutal. Yeah. Um, and having the empathy for the other person's, you know, obviously important. 
but there's like this balancing act, you know, where it, yeah. it's, it's really tough. But at the same time, you being kind of introverted, does that sort of maybe help you focus more than the f- people who are all flashy and more, more they're trying to put on a show than think about the fight? I, I don't know. I think so. I, yeah. I think I was trying to kind of figure myself out um, during my uh, fourth fight. I was trying to think, I was kind of like feeling like, uh, like I don't fit into this, this martial arts world. Cause I, see many women or other fighters that are just like really aggro and and it's awesome like really intense and like man I'm not that way maybe I'm not cut out for this so I tried putting on that mask I guess which is what it turned out to be because I was trying to come in like aggro and aggressive and like think of a million reasons why I should hate my opponent (laughs) and um and uh yeah it it actually stressed me out i wasn't able to focus everything was just i went into that fight and um just just anxious um jittery not like whereas normally i'm like happy relaxed um i can focus better things that i can slow things down whereas this was just like everything's going a million miles per hour and uh I lost that fight. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, that was a mistake. <laughs> so I learned. Um, well, yeah, the mental game, it's not everything. It looks like a physical game to those watching on TV. But to be honest, it's not. It's equally mental, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Well, Savannah Reed, so, so uh, I know you kind of take a break from fighting and so forth, but what, it, what does the future hold? What are your goals in life? What are your goals with fighting? Where do you see yourself going? Uh, well, right now I'm having a lot of fun um, just coaching, teaching um, at a few different places. Uh, I recently just got a spot at um, Pepperdine University, so a local college. So I'm going to yeah. be a faculty member at a, at a university, which is kind of funny. Um, um, but lately I've been kind of having my eyes set on like, you know, I, I saw the latest sea games was in Cambodia. I was like, wow, that would be really I, amazing if I can, uh, um, have some part in that competing, coaching, anything. So, um, that's kind of like, I, if anything gets me out of like not competing, I think that may be, um, something that may be worth getting back into it. Yeah. They don't have MMA, but they have bjj and they have judo and they have you know, wrestling even so they have other oh. sports in the sea games um the next one will be in thailand in 2025 we're we're already starting to talk about uh, our lao american contingent and cool. uh rounding up the at rallying the troops to go over and make a good showing it was the first yeah. time for laos that they invited american athletes back it was the one in oh, cambodia wow. and it was really exciting and and um we had a great time Cambodia is, I would say, ahead of the curve with their bringing back of athletes. Um, But it was a great time in Cambodia. Cambodia did an awesome job putting on the SEA Games. Um, I was overall extremely impressed. The country, um, there was this air of optimism. The amount of development in Phnom Penh, cranes and buildings going up and, and just the energy of the people. I was honestly expecting it to be a little sleepier, you know, kind of slower moving, slower developing. But it was you could see that they were on the on the mm-hmm. up and they, they, they put on the, the opening ceremony at the Sea Games was 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 incredible. They did a great job with that. And it was overall a great experience. Wow. So yeah, I would certainly encourage you if you ever get a chance to work with the Cambodia martial arts teams or be mm-hmm. at a Sea Games or something, whether it's fighting or coaching. 
to do it because mm -hmm. it was an awesome experience for us. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Co, anything else for Suvonnery? Um, no, no. Um, great story. Thank you so much for coming on and and you know sharing your experience as a as a mixed martial artist. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So this was great, Suvonnery. So everybody, that's it for the show today. Um, please like, follow, and share the show. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please uh, go ahead and give us a five-star review. We would definitely appreciate that. And for this week, we are out. Thanks. The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at laoamericansports.com, celebrating the first, inspiring the next.